This is a Federal News Network podcast. Government and the private companies will work together in a new office aimed at cyber defense planning. The Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency says major cloud providers, telecommunications companies, and cyber outfits have already signed up to participate in this new initiative. The goal is to improve both sides' understanding of the cyber threats they face. Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday joins me with more. And Justin, tell us more about this new CISA office. So it's called the Joint Cyber Defense Collaborative, or JCDC. CISA Director Jen Easterly announced it last week at the Black Hat Security Conference, and it's a cooperative between government agencies and private companies coming together in one office to work together on, like you said, cyber defense planning. Now, Easterly announced the initiative with a little video that harkened back to ACDC, um, and she did a little dancing with that. I'll spare you, spare you that, and here's her describing the importance of the JCDC. Now, I'm a retired military officer, so I like to quote dead generals. And one of my favorite is General Eisenhower, who said, plans are nothing, planning is everything. And I really believe that. You have to come together and develop these plans with your stakeholders and partners. you got to plan in peacetime so you're ready in wartime. So was Jen Easterly at the Black Hat Security Conference last week discussing this new JCDC office and and a little backstory on the office. It was an idea that sprang from the Cyber Solarium Commission, a hugely influential commission that was stood up a few years ago to come up with new ideas for how the United States should approach this cybersecurity space. And obviously, government and private sector collaborating is a pretty big issue, given that so much of the critical infrastructure and internet infrastructure in this country is owned by the private sector. All right. And so who exactly will be involved and what will they do day to day? Well, they have a list of companies who are already signed up to participate. They're Amazon Web Services, AT&T, CrowdStrike, Mandiant, Google Cloud, Microsoft, Lumen Technologies, Palo Alto Networks, and Verizon. So you have a cross-section there of major cloud providers, obviously. You have AT&T and um, Verizon representing big telecom firms, and then you have several cybersecurity service providers as well. So a a cross-section of pretty important companies in the cyberspace. And then agencies will be involved as well. Obviously, CISA, it's their office, but then there's also the National Security Agency. There's U.S. Cyber Command. There's the Justice Department and the FBI who are coming into this. Easterly also said sector risk management agencies who oversee critical infrastructure sectors like the Agriculture Department and the Energy Department will be involved. So there's a lot of different folks coming together under this office who are looking to share information. And Easterly says the JCDC will carry out four primary activities. First, to share insights so that we create a common operating picture, a shared situational awareness of the threat environment. Two, to develop whole-of-nation comprehensive cyber defense plans to deal with the most significant threats to the nation, to include significant threats to our critical infrastructure. Three, to exercise these plans, because again, you've got to exercise in peacetime to be prepared for wartime. You can't make a friend when you need a friend. And then finally, to work together to implement these cyber defense plans into actual operations and make sure that we can do that to reduce risk to the nation. Again, Jen Easterly, the director of CISA. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. And what's the outlook for this project? Is it up and running? Are they going to be operational pretty soon? It's. It was just announced. It's just getting up and running. And it's coming at a time when we've had some pretty high-profile 
cyber attacks. And Congress is looking for action on this issue from the government, from agencies like CISA. There's a lot of legislation out there on cyber incident reporting and critical infrastructure requirements. And it's leading some to to question whether the voluntary nature of public-private partnerships on cybersecurity is even working, can continue to work. And so this office could be one way where CISA can prove out that they can bring in the private sector on a voluntary basis and create an environment where they'll be more cooperative on these cybersecurity issues. Of course, we have to see how it will all work. We don't know whether or not these companies are signed up to do specific things or, or if they're just signed up to participate nominally. So we'll have to see how it goes. But it's one of the first major ways, first major offices where they're bringing together government and private sector in one place. And this was a keynote that Easterly gave at the big Black Hat conference. Anything else of note that she mentioned? Yeah, she talked a lot about cyber talent management and how there's a shortage of cybersecurity professionals, not just across the government, but across the country and across the world. A uh, recent estimate from a Commerce Department grant project found that there's 465,000 unfilled cyber jobs in the United States. And across the public sector, federal, state, and local governments, there's about 36,000. So here's Easterly describing the problem and how they're trying to tackle it. The government hiring process is Byzantine and really kind of a mess. And, you know, as much as we're able to bring in great talent for people who want to defend their country and to be part of this incredible mission, there is a huge competition out there. And so we're going to do a couple things. First of all, we're going to be implementing shortly the cyber talent management system. And I hope that that will help bring in people because you'll be able to pay pay closer to market. I am personally going to work with my team to be able to accelerate the hiring process. I am really, really focused on that. And also to look for opportunities where we can bring people in from the private sector. It doesn't need to be a career, but bring, bring people in for a year, two years to really help strengthen the connective tissue between public and private. That's Jen Easterly at the Black Hat Security Conference describing some of the cyber talent management issues she's facing at CISA. And she also said she's going to hire a chief people officer to help manage this cyber talent ecosystem that she's looking to grow. So that's something to look out for in the future. And by the way, was Black Hat in person? Was it online or was it a hybrid? It was a hybrid. You know, you did have a pretty good amount of people out there participating. Jen Easterly dialed in. She video conferenced into this conference. Obviously, there was a lot of excitement to have an in-person conference for the first time. One of the big first ones for the cybersecurity circuit, at least. And then, of course, the Delta variant is kind of screwing things up. You couldn't get to see all some of the freaks in person then that used to go to Black Hat. It's gotten corporate, I guess. Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? 
Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual, actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life, and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style, and how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about but that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Um, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers as others call them every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance in some cases and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship, step up, uh, make decisions, 
uh, do what you think is right and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. <laughs> Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is, is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler, and to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.